When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. today's podcast we talked to Kevin Kelly who is most known for his strategy of never punting always going for two and always onside kicking he's made a name for himself around the country by doing that but this isn't something he just does randomly he's really thought this out and everything he does really is built on some type of analytics so he's going to discuss with us today how analytics help drive his coaching strategy this is one that comes from our archives and We've done over a thousand podcasts now, so some of these, uh, even back a couple years, kind of get buried, and we want to make sure we bring some of those great ones out for you. You have a chance to hear these. This is one you're going to get something from for sure, and keep tuning in. We have new episodes coming soon as we relaunch the podcast in November. We appreciate you listening. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. I'm excited to be joined again by Kevin Kelly, head football coach at Pulaski Academy in Arkansas. Uh, It's always great to get him on the show and talk about his outside-the-box ideas, things that a lot of us don't think about. What you see on tape is a direct reflection of what you teach and how you teach. Video is important, but if you don't teach well, you're not going to like what you see on your video. First Down Playbook has been helping coaches teach better for 13 years. It allows you to present installs, playbooks, and practice cards in half the time with NFL quality. Coaching tools like video pairing, a player app, practice schedules, and wristband sheets have made First Down Playbook a program management system with everything in one place. If you're in a position of leadership with your football program, receive a free one-week look at First Down Playbook. Call them at 512 814-6158 or visit them on their website or social media. Mention Coach and Coordinator Podcast or use the coupon code COACH24 to receive a $100 discount off the normal $700 First Down Playbook team membership price. Links and the phone number are in the show notes. Coach, it's great to have you here again. Oh, great to be on. appreciate it. Coach, let's dig into some of the things you're doing. I know the last time we were on the the podcast, you were just getting into some of your rugby stuff and uh, the idea that um, plays have a better chance of scoring when more than two players touch the ball, and you really based it upon that. Uh, I guess if you could run down the, uh, the, the concept for our listeners if they're not familiar with it. 
Yeah, I was looking, and I'm always trying to study, you know, things that are, are big game game difference makers in the analytics world, explosive plays, turnover sacks, tackles for losses. And, and I, was, I was looking in the explosive play world and kind of noticed on my own that anytime a guy or a team had more than just the center, the quarterback, and a hand it to a running back or a center quarterback throw it to a receiver, anytime there was an extra guy involved in touching the football, that chance seemed that play seemed to have a bigger chance of being an explosive play. And so I started looking around and, and then I looked at our past history and we've run a lot of, you know, uh, for lack of a better word, trick plays. And those seem to have a high, a high instance of, of explosiveness. And so I started looking around and watching, trying to dig up what I could. I couldn't dig up anything concrete, but everything I saw pointed to that. So I decided that we would in- implement that. And I wanted to actually, I saw, I saw a rugby game and I saw how they extended a play was to pitch it around. And so I started to implement that. Well, I quickly found out that players are just beaten to death with don't turn the ball over, turn the ball, don't turn the ball over. So even though I'd give them permission to pitch the ball around, they were terrified to turn the ball over. So that said, I, uh, I uh, uh, had to end up doing a little bit of that, instituting some hook and lateral plays. And, and uh, then this last year, really, I got away from it too much, but then got back when I needed it. And what ended up happening was, was, was that we pitched, we, we, did that four times and had like 260 yards and three touchdowns with it on just four plays. And they were all in first quarter, meaningful parts of the game before anybody's playing a prevent defense or anything like that. And you look and you go, I mean, that high of a percentage, why am I not doing that more? So I'm going to get back into some design, some of those kinds of things and, and watch what happens from there. And your theory is at least that there's going to be an effect on the defense. If you, if you start to pull those off a little bit more, it might change the way the defense reacts. Yeah, I, what I've discovered and over the years of doing all these things, whether it's the no punt or the onside kickoff or the butterfly effects, that you don't even see an immediate result from, but that you'll see it later on. For instance, you know, I noticed that, you know, if you pull off one of these hook and lateral plays, and, and defenses are aggressive and fun to fly into the ball and tackle guys, you know, the, to me, the second hardest thing to do in football is open field tackle. So, once you've accomplished one of these hook and laterals, maybe even if you didn't succeed with it and the defense is a little hesitant uh, that you might be going to lateral the ball, they don't necessarily fly to the ball as much. And uh, they're kind of come under control and give you a little cushion when you catch the football and let you have a more of a one-on-one move after the catch because they don't know if you're going to pitch the ball or not. So that second defender can't really leave his man if he's running to the ball too. So I've noticed those kinds of results. Uh, and like I say, I call them the butterfly effect, but I, I kind of noticed those. And I, and I think there's some advantage. Even when you don't accomplish and succeed at that one individual play, I think it helps in the big picture. Coach, for you, you've always been about designing your strategy around things that are going to win games. And you extensively study the analytics of the game, the numbers, all the different percentages that come up in different areas. And that helps you figure out, hey, here's how we're going to do it. What are some examples you have on the defensive side of the ball? You know, we, we've studied different sources of analytics, and, and we're looking for things, like you said, that just that alone, that one statistic, uh, win a higher percentage of the games. And there's always some manipulation to that when people try to present it to you. So I try to look past that and dig into the why of it. And, like, for instance, I think it was, uh, last year, year before, 77% of all teams in college football, if they won the sack battle, I think they won the game. 
And so we really get after it. And in passing situations, especially, we don't play it safe. We don't drop too many guys. We're bringing pressure and, and trying to trying to win that battle. And and uh, same thing with tackles for losses is like a 67% and uh, a win rate if you just have more tackles for losses. So then it makes us want to be more aggressive on running downs. Now, you got to be careful because some teams are really good at combating those things. And, you know, by nature of the beast, we become good at it because we see it practice all the time. But but I think there's a place for basing philosophy and game strategy. And I mean, to a large extent, around the most meaningful things in the game of football that win games, everybody's doing turnovers. And everybody knows that you win the turnover battle, you win 80% of the game. So, but that's something everybody's thinking about and working on. So we're trying to find things that are so meaningful that other people aren't doing, where we can get a decided advantage on. Have there been any of those, I guess, more obscure types of, of statistics or analytics numbers that, uh, you know, you've, you've developed a strategy on that other people don't really look at. You know, I, I, I think we've got some things that maybe fit us a little bit more. We're really more, you know, I, I, my biggest one is the explosive play. That's the number one thing in football. I think determines whether a game is won or lost. And, and for us, it's plays over 20 yards. So we really, really design plays and, and people go, well, I call plays to make 20, 20 yards. We design plays to do so, and we set up plays to do so. And we're constantly thinking about that. And when I say 20, I don't mean 40 or 50 or 60. That's, that's hopeful, but higher percentage plays that, that do that. And uh, I think when you really design it, you talk about it with the kids, you put that in their head, you know, I think they've got a better chance of doing those things. And I think they're thinking about 20 yards, you know, and, and trying to fight for it like it's fourth and one, but it's really first and 10 when they're at 18 yards to get to that 20th one. And, and that makes a big difference. And that but creates blocking downfield and all these butterfly effects. And, and the same thing happens on defense. It's great to get a sack, but when we talk about it as much of a game changer and the kids starting to feel, the kids start to feel like my one sack is all the difference. in if we win the game or not, because if we have five and they have three, you know, we're going to win 77% of the time if we don't do anything else right. So when you put that in there, I think what the kids do is they're going to work a little harder on their hand placement. They're going to work a little harder on the individual things. They're going to help them get those things that are going to help you win games. So I think just buzzword talking about the ones I mentioned to you, and I'm not going to get into some of the other ones yet. That might be for a later date that, that we're digging around with. But, but uh, on the surface, I think you find things that you feel comfortable with and that you can find some true data to back up. And then we've got our own that applies to us and maybe nobody else. But it's a true analytical uh, statistical anomaly that, that fits us very well. We're 115 and three. We recover an onside kick. And so, you know, we, we, we really make that a significant thing and important. I mean, that's a crazy record, regardless of what stat you threw in there. And uh, so the kid, we, we make the kids believe how important that is, and they'll work a little harder. The kickers do on their own, just when we're not even out there on a Saturday or Sunday. And the other kids want to die to get on that kickoff team. So we know that we put them on there because if they'll practice a little harder, they can win and lose their spot. And so, you know, that makes our practice, our scout team better, and all those kinds of things. I just think there's a tremendous effect when you lay out those whys and those numbers to the kids. I mean, kids are a, a, a very intelligent, and nowadays with them looking at what they're looking at and playing and doing those things, numbers are more available to them than they've ever been before, and I think they buy in. 
Coach, I thought what was interesting, though, is, you know, you mention all these numbers and you know all these statistics and your kids know all these statistics, but you told me there's there's not a goal board up that shows all these things in your locker room, that you've you've gone away from those, you don't have those, that really there's just one goal for the team. Talk to us a little bit about why you've done that. Yeah, you know, over the years, we, we had goal boards and individual or team defensive goals and one, one thing at a time, like we want to give up less than whatever passage percentage completion and, and we want to average four yards of carry in the run game. And so you got your individual defensive and offensive goals. And, and I really was fine. And some of the games we would lose, you know, the defense might have accomplished eight out of ten things, and they seemed to carry a place of contentness around. And and, uh, and, and offensively we were down because we didn't, or, or vice versa. We had a great offensive game, and we lost 56 to 55 or something. And our defense was down, but our offense was pretty happy because we scored 56 points and accomplished all of our offensive goals. And I didn't want that. I thought that I thought that divided us a little bit. The offense was like, well, we did our job, and the defense, you know, didn't, or, or vice versa. And I thought it divided our team. I thought it developed a little complacency because in the end, the goal is to win. It's not to perform well. It's to win the game. And you, you know, they're, they're both a byproduct of each other at some point, but. At that point, you know, we've got one goal going at each game. That's to win. Now, a subset of that is coaching-wise, player-wise, we want to play well. We want to get better and all that. But that's not a goal. We're never going to list that as a goal. we got one team goal to start the season at the state championship, and we got one goal for each week. That's to win the game. And then it's our coach's job to improve our players' performance and our players' job to buy in and try to do those things. Coach, that being said and kind of uh, dovetailing off that answer, what does the evaluation process look like for you guys on the weekend? So you get done with a game, you know, are you are you giving them uh, number grades? Are you working on percentages? How does the coaching staff evaluate the team's play? And really, second part of that, you know, I think is important to, you know, evaluate the play to be prescriptive in what you're going to do in practice to get better. Yeah, I mean, you know, the it's, it, I, I just, I bet I over-preach these goals to the players and coaches, and I over-preach the numbers, and, and that's a little bit by design. Brainwash has a negative connotation, but we definitely want to brainwash them into knowing this is what we've got to do week in, week out. And we've got a couple of more individual things. The way our, the way our defense is designed, we've got certain analytics that we use that really probably just apply to us based on what we do on defense and the same thing on offense. And, and uh, when, when, when you put those things in, you know, and, and they might be anything from uh, the, the highest percentage thing that stops us on a drive is a pre-snap penalty and a sack. That's not too much different than everybody else, except for if you looked at the fact that we probably pass 77% of the time in meaningful in meaningful moments. And so, you know, we've got to get better at that. We've got to get, you know, we've got to make sure we're protecting. And so we experiment a lot with our design of our pass pro, and, and, and but we really design it around the kids because it's not our job to design something and the kid's job to, to do it. It's our coach's job to get the kid to do it. And I don't know if that makes a lot of sense, but in the whole scheme of things, you know, I don't want a coach to come to me and say, well, I've showed him on film. I've shown him how to do it footwork wise. We practiced it. We drilled it, you know, and da, 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 da. I can pay a, I can pay a person out of the stands or a monkey to come down and, and show them and practice it and tell them and show them practice and tell them. The coach's job is to get them to do it. Well, when you really put that on the coach, they're not only going to coach the kid better, but they're going to 
they're going to realize that they can't teach every kid to do it the same way and take the same step and punch the same way because all the kids we have are way different in their athletic abilities. And so now it all works hand in hand. And I think the kids or the, the coaches coach the kids in a way to help them accomplish those analytical goals that we have that help us win games. As coaches, we know that some of the biggest hurdles to our team's success can come from off the field. Your team needs support to tackle the endless list of expenses, uniforms, training equipment, travel, and more. But raising that money can feel like a full-time job. Thankfully, there's Vertical Raise. Vertical Raise is the premier online fundraising platform using innovative technology to create the easiest and most efficient system available. Raise more money in less time with a local fundraising coach who works with your team every step of the way to customize the ideal fundraiser. With options for online donations, digital discount cards, premium product sales, and even spirit shops, Vertical Raise has top-of-the-line solutions for every fundraising style. To find out more, visit verticalraise.com and we'll get you connected with an exclusive offer on your first fundraiser. I've always been interested in the use of technology to make our jobs more effective, so I'm excited to continue sharing modern football technology with you here on the podcast. This innovative system leverages tendencies to improve self-scouting, game planning, and in-game decision-making at the speed of the game. Modern football stands out because it's a battle-tested platform used by teams at all levels, like four-time national champion Bishop Gorman, the five-time California state champion Folsom Bulldogs, six-time Texas state champion Lake Travis, Cal football, and the CFL's Grey Cup champions, the Montreal Alouettes. So book a demo today to see why these teams trust modern football technology. Visit www.teammofo.com demo and mention Coach and Coordinator Podcast or use the coupon code CC10 to receive 10% off your first year. Coach, really all this stuff, whether it's things you refer to as the butterfly effect and guys realizing, you know, doing their little extra part to make sure they hit some of those numbers or the coaching staff making sure that they get these guys aligned to do their jobs in the way that they can do them, you know, you're, you're really – that's the stuff that makes up culture. You're getting those behaviors that you want. Uh, for you, you mentioned that culture is, is more of an old-school type of thing. You guys are still old-school – uh, there's not a lot of that flash maybe that you see. Can you talk to us? I know you did before, but talk to us a little bit about uh, your culture and especially in regards to competition. You know, yeah, we're, we try to be and, – and everybody says they are, and maybe we're just saying it and we really believe it, though, but we're trying to be really competitive in everything and, and put a lot of competition built in practice. Our practices are way different than everybody else. We'll have one 10-minute individual period in there. Obviously, we don't do any punt or punt return in practice. Um, except for 15 total minutes a week, we don't do any kickoff return. And uh, so ours is just ours is just scrimmage. I mean, it's 11 on 11, 75, 90 to 80 percent of the practice. And and what you got to do in there is, is is put the ball in the 20, and and you got four downs to score, and every play is a win loss, so to speak, and something like that. And we hold the kids accountable every single play. I mean, they don't get out there and think in a game, well, it's okay that we gave up play. You know, it's really never okay for us. Now, we don't want you to dwell on it and let it affect the next play, but it's never okay to give up a completion. It's never okay to let your guy have a sack. It's never okay. And we don't even allow it on the sidelines. Pat your guy on the back, say, you're going to be okay, buddy. You know, 
just just get back out there and get going. We want him to walk over and say, hey, we know you're better than that. We expect you to do better than that. And and, and maybe they're the same thing, but I think words are huge. You know, it's the difference between a guy goes out there and you've got a lead with two minutes left between saying don't fumble the ball or hang on to the football. You know, there's a lot of people believe that that positive is a lot better. And I just believe it's 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 not okay to let kids walk over and think it's okay to let their teammates down. Now, in practice and in game, we know they're not going to be perfect. But but at that moment in the game, we don't want that to happen. And and we want them to we want to provide reasons where they of course want to be successful besides the fact of themselves and people are counting on them. But we hold them to that pretty highly in, in a in a little half military style of discipline in practice. We try to institute fun times, but we have the times when it's, you know, you, 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 you don't have permission to speak freely and you keep your mouth shut unless you're spoken to. And, and it's constant eye contact and all those little discipline things that are going to lead to the big discipline like everybody else says. But everybody that comes to watch this practice, it's way different in just about everything that you do. And I think people look at it and I don't even necessarily think people think it's a good thing. I just people think it's way different. And they see the, you know, the fact that it's way different and you think of that as non-discipline, but then when they see the the discipline from play to play and as soon as a play is over with and the immediate attention to the coach afterwards, I, I think that's the old school part. And it's definitely that way, definitely that way in the off season and how we prepare in our locker room and, and what we're doing before and after practice and those kinds of things. And I know the other thing you talked to me about too is that uh, everybody on the team uh, can be important. It's a belief you have, and it's something really that uh, your players have the ability to do. Talk to us a little bit about that philosophy and and how you start to see that in your program. Yeah, you know, the culture is a buzzword now, and everybody talks about it, and everybody's doing different things, and I don't fault anybody. I think there's a thousand ways to skin a cat, so to speak, and and people are doing different things to build culture and they're doing different things to build. They're doing the dad's thing for the seniors. And I'm not against that. I think that's great for some people. And, and some are doing turnover chains on the sideline and the pickaxe pick of the week and whatever, whatever, whatever. And, and mine is, mine is, is pretty simple. And I, and I really do believe it. And I'm hoping to that our, that our players, and I think they do, but I think our players and coaches believe it. From the first guy to the last guy, we preach you're as important as you want to be to this team. And and whether you're the quarterback or you're the worst little player on the team, there are definitely things you can provide, whether it's in the locker room or it's working by example. And everybody, there are things that you don't talk about, but we do talk about, that you really can be as important as you want to be to this team. And uh, I've, I've had some of my players that I thought were key. And I remember my, my first season as head coach that I was taught that lesson. I remember the, a kid that didn't start on any side of the ball, wasn't even on a special team. I really think the kid might have been our most valuable player on the team. He was the best practice player, the best scout team player, the best motivator, the best getting guys back on track, the best and all those things. And the kid never got to play in a meaningful spot. And, and you go back and, and you look at how – and that kid – you know, when I talked to him multiple times during the season and after the season, I had no idea it was going to be like that. And he wanted to be important. He goes, I know I'm not a good football player, but I do want to be important. And when it's over with and it's 20 years from now, I want guys to look back and go, remember so-and-so, how important he was. And they're not going to be able to name a big play that I was on. But they will say I'm one of the most important guys on the team. Man, how how awesome is that? And so we try to just implement that because 
football's losing a few numbers here and there, but people worry about CTE and they're worried about all these injuries and in our society, let's be honest, is getting soft and we're losing a few numbers here and there. Well, people want to be a part of something bigger than them, but they really want to be a part of something where they can feel like they're important. And that, that's, a, that's a culture that I, I think I do it pretty well is, is present that and pound it. But even sitting here talking to you, I know I've got to do that better and better and better and better because our game is an awesome one. And I don't want to keep losing these numbers, but I want our kids to stay a part of it. And they will if they feel like they're important. Coach, I shared a, a picture with you that I, that came up on my Facebook memories today and it was from seven years ago. And it was I, I it was the first time I was uh, my article was in American Football Monthly. And, you know, I think Pat Fitzgerald was on the cover and I looked at the top of it on that memory. It says Q&A with Kevin Kelly and I used to do a bunch of stuff with with uh, AFM. I remember getting, you know, as I started to do some work over there getting your whole DVD series and, and it kind of was the first exposure to what you're doing. Uh, and I've seen recently you've been putting some stuff up on coach tube. And I know one that uh, seems to be pretty popular is your five unstoppable plays. Uh, and you, you list them in there in, in the, uh, in the lessons. Uh, I guess if you could just give us an overview of what you put into that and, and what someone could see if, if they go and get your five unstoppable plays. Yeah, yeah, and I appreciate you mentioning that. Yeah, I, when I first got into doing those videos with AFM and, and done some with championship productions, I think just just dabbled around, and then now I'm on to coach too because it's easy, it's fantastic, and 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 I know the owner of it, and he's a he's a guy that really wants coaches to do well. So did those for the first time about a month and a half ago, and will really well received. Trying to do a good job with them, and trying to just touch on what coaches want and still experimenting because I want to grow, you know, I want to help if, if I can with our game and help people have a chance to be successful. The five unstoppable plays that you mentioned, there's a few different things on there uh, as far as lessons, or as far as different videos, but the five unstoppable plays has been the most popular by, uh, and we try to look at it as something that everybody would have a chance to do. And that's got multiple reasons to have a chance to be successful or easy to implement. We really try to go through and coach step by step and, and make it really vague on so everybody can implement that into what they do system-wise offensively. And, and like I say, it's been will, really well-received, and and, uh, and everybody's been pretty happy with it so far. I haven't had anybody say, hey, I wish I wouldn't have, wish I wouldn't have paid the 29 bucks or whatever it was for those. I've been very, very satisfied with them and implement them in spring ball and throughout the summer and that. you know. So, so uh, I think it's a chance for coaches to get out in that in that platform and learn and i do the same thing i go in there and watch and learn from other people and 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 i want that opportunity because i've had so many guys be good to me and i want to get it out there but i think they're really good you'll if you go through and you look at some of the ones you'll see some really good ones that it's like anything you'll pick out some things you really like and there might be another video you're like ah that's not really for me and they've all got previews available for them but we're going to keep churning out some offensive stuff passing game stuff because uh, what we do is way different. We're a true read team and not a progression. We read hips and shoulders of defenders and things like that. So, uh, But that's got some of that on there. It's got some run plays on there. It's got some short passes in the unstoppable plays. But I think it's got something everybody can implement in their offense and, and, and have a chance to be ultra successful. And, of course, you have your onside kicks video and all the different types there, uh, something I've seen before. If uh, If you are interested in Coach Kelly's, 
um, strategy of onside kicks, that's the place to go because it's amazing all the different ways you've come up with to uh, kick the ball on an onside kick. So that's an interesting one. The other thing that really piqued my interest is I saw a friend of mine, Rick Jones, on there as well. And uh, you and Great Rick, man. Great yeah, man. You and Rick sitting down together and, and discussing – uh, basically, you know, between the two of you, 16 state championships, discussing how you build a program. Uh, what was that experience like getting together with Rick and saying, hey, we're going to put together something to, to help coaches out? And Rick is, I learn something from Rick every time I talk to him. And they do, you know, it's funny, we've got so many things that are vastly different. And then you've got your core stuff that is, is, is very, very similar. We've had some great battles on the field. I'm proud to say I'm two and two against Rick, and I wouldn't be proud to say that against many people. We've got a pretty good winning percentage, but, but uh, uh, you know, he came down and and to have a chance to sit there and I listened to him do a video on his program and culture, and then we did that Q and A, and we're still trying to still trying to put it together where people can get a glimpse of what that looks like because we went over a bunch of topics that I think young coaches, coaches that are trying to rebuild, or coaches that are maybe moved to a program that hasn't ever reached the level that it wanted to reach which kind of fell for both he and i at different parts in our programs and uh and, and i think it's i think there's some substance to it there's some things about culture things about working individually with a player and different personalities and parents and i think there's something in there for everybody and that's rick's specialty i've always thought that and so to get to sit down and interact with him was awesome and uh so if you ever get a chance to see him speak he's fantastic and he just loves our game and anybody loves our game i love them and and so it was a lot of fun and like i say learn every time yeah rick's been on the podcast a number of times i always love having him on and getting to talk ball with him uh i was looking at was probably most intrigued by this this video you have up on uh the two best coaches two of the best coaches discuss their theory of winning and um, the only thing I don't see on here, Coach, is the questions. I guess, would you be able to give us at least a few of the topics you guys discuss? And it's everything from it's everything from how to deal with kids these days, you know, as the world's changed, and how to deal with parents and situations to how to get everybody on the same page and uh, on your team when they're coming from different, you know, I mean, different different places and where they are to – to, there's some football stuff in there, philosophical things, and what you work more on in practice and how you structure your practice. So it goes from culture to practice to football to dealing with personalities. I think it's got a little bit of everything in there. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to, like you said, good, uh, always be open to learning, and I'm going to try to go back with who puts that on there and make sure you can see the question so people know what the content is. And uh, because I think there's – anytime Rick's involved, there's some great stuff, and hopefully I can get to that level where if I'm involved, there's some great stuff. But but uh, it definitely needs to be out there where people can see it and have a chance because, again, uh, anytime we can learn anything as a coach and pass that on to our kids and our program, then then I think we've got to do it, and I think that, that we're benefiting, you know, people for who knows how long in their lives. Coach, I appreciate you sitting down and taking some time with us today to uh, discuss what you've been up to and – sharing some ideas here. Uh, I always look forward to uh, being able to talk to you, whether that's on this podcast or national conference or any other time. So I appreciate what you're doing for the game. Oh, I appreciate it. And, and those guys, I answer a lot of questions on Twitter at Coach Kelly one 
Kelly with an EY. And now my, I've just started an Instagram. Somebody said, you got to get on that. Well, actually Rick Jones actually talked me into getting on more social media, if you can believe that. So just started an Instagram the other day. I don't even know what the name of it is to get there. Hopefully you can search and look that up, but it's a place to go back and forth with coaches and, and meet people, you know, direct messaging and different things like that and talk back and forth and answer questions and learn. It's awesome, Coach. We'll look it up and we'll put uh, both your Twitter and that and show notes. And it's it's amazing to hear Rick Jones is all over social media now. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Keith. It's awesome and always good talking to you. Appreciate what you do for the game, too. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. We'll have links to both Coach Jones and Coach Kelly's episodes. They've done several with us. I'll put those in the show notes. And we'll have links to uh, the courses that Coach Kelly mentions in the show notes as well. Speaking of show notes, you can find those at our new website, coachandcoordinator.com. Follow me on Twitter at Coach K. Grabowski.